Hello, hello, and welcome to the 10 Minute Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Stefan. Thank you so much for checking us out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it happened. Boogie Cousins has returned to the NBA and with quite a force. I will say I was in the gym Friday night, getting a little marathon workout in. was able to turn the TV to the Golden State Warriors game, and I was just running on the trail, but blown away. You could not have scripted a better return than that besides him fouling out, but unless he hit the game-winning shot. But I will say it was phenomenal watching him play, see how he fit into the offense. Um, You saw the emotion on his face when he went in for that dunk on that pass from Kevin Durant and just threw it down. You could see all of the hard work that he put in in physical therapy, all the training, you know, all the comments that people said, you know, from his past, about his present, about his future. He took them all right up with him as he went up to the basket and dunked the ball straight through the hoop. And you could see him coming down the floor with just that mean mug like, that's right, I'm back. And it was awesome. I'm so excited for him. Glad he's back playing. He's healthy. Um, he's not exactly in game shape yet. I think we saw that because he fouled out in like 15 minutes. Even tonight, he you know had a couple fouls in, in the first half. Um, had to sit in the first quarter. I was watching that game too at the gym. Um, but he is such a unique player. Um, he can handle the rock. He can shoot the three. As we saw, he had three threes in his debut. Uh, he can bang in the post. Um, he's like Anthony Davis, except not as athletic. And he's a phenomenal passer, too. I think that's something that we've been able to see. You know, I know that the sample size is very small with, you know, almost two games now. But we can see basically how he is able to space the floor, how he's able to really open up the options, especially in um, the Golden State Warriors offense. He's basically kind of like Draymond Green, except he can score a lot better than Draymond can. And that is just phenomenal. Um, I will say this, with the love that we see Boogie getting from not only the fans, but also everyone on his team, like you could see like, as soon as he went up for that dunk, everyone on the on the bench is raised up. I think they've been able to see the work that he's been putting in, you know, outside of the camera's view. And they were so excited for him, you know, on, you know, all their Instagrams are all shouting him out, you know, so happy for him. I wouldn't be that surprised if he stayed, if he took a pay cut, you know, and he decided to stay another year. Just, you know, to maybe get into that new arena, um, to possibly go back to back and then, you know, get his major payday, um, you know, then. Um, And I think, you know, I think we might actually see Kevin Durant stay another year. And I think you see that they're starting to have a lot of fun playing basketball um, in these last couple games. That's something that we kind of missed out. They missed out on uh, earlier, early on in the season. Um, and that's really when they play their best basketball. If you remember, you know, in their 24-game win streak, they were having so much fun. You know, Steph's pulling up from half court. You know, Clay's pulling up from half court. You know, Draymond's blocking on dudes and then, you know, passing the ball. You know, um, Kevin Durant's dunking on the other end. You know, they're having fun again, and that's really dangerous, especially when you add in Boogie Cousins. Um, And I think what we're seeing is that um, I think you start to see that the wheels in these guys, you know, heads kind of turn and that they realize that, like, Golden State is like the Patriots of the NBA, except they don't cheat as much. Um, And they're actually allowed to have fun and be their own 
their own person and they don't have to toe the, you know, the Golden State way. They're able to be individuals. I hate that I'm going to do this, but I'm actually going to quote President Donald Trump. Um, when he, he said during his uh, campaign speech, he says, we're going to be winning so much that you'll be tired of it. And I think that's what Golden State is. You know, they're they're winning so much that, you know, the guys are like, oh, I don't want to win anymore. I'm tired of winning. You know, let's lose a close game, you know, but uh, they still don't. They still are able to pull it off. Um, I will say this, that um, if both Kevin Durant and Boogie stay in a, another year, um, I think that's when they're going to be super vulnerable next year uh, if they both decide to stay. And the reason being is that in order to free up money, you know, for Boogie to stay and pay him what he's worth, um, they're going to have to sacrifice a lot of their bench guys. You know, they may trade Andre. They may trade Livingston. Um, you know, they, they may cut a lot of guys, which makes them really dangerous, especially because um, everyone on that team, you know, the starting five, the death lineup as you would have it now is all susceptible to injuries. You know, we've seen the last couple of years, including this year, you know, Draymond out with the toe injury, you know, Clay out last year, you know, in the beginning of this year, you've had Steph be out with, you know, various ankle and knee issues. You've seen Kevin Durant out with various ankle and knee and, you know, broken rib issues. Um, obviously boogie with the Achilles. So, um, I think next year is when they're going to be really, really vulnerable if all those guys stick around. Um, and I will say this. This is the true death lineup that we see. You know, we have those start five starting guys, you know, that are very exciting to watch. And then if another team decides to go small, you take Boogie out, you sub Andre in, and then you can truly run the floor with them when, when everyone goes small. And so um, I think that's that's really exciting uh, for the game of basketball, just seeing it played in a very unique and exciting and high-octane sort of way. So next topic we saw this week. We saw Russell Westbrook and Joel Embiid, you know, go toe-to-toe once again. And I'm here for it. I'm here for the rivalry. I love to see Joel Embiid stir in the pot, you know, in the way that he can. You know, I think he's right in a little bit of way that, you know, Russell Westbrook is always in his feelings. He plays with a lot of passion, a lot of intensity. He does a lot of talking. And, you know, it was really hard for, you know, Russell to talk right now when his game is not on point, you know, but... PG did all the talking for him when they were able to get the win. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I love to see people stirring the pot. You know, I love the brothery camaraderie, you know, camaraderie going on, but I also like to see the intensity and people actually caring about regular season games, which is what we saw here. So I'm here for it. I'm all about it. I love to see, you know, um, the 76ers, you know, with uh, with Jimmy going back to Minnesota and just totally putting the beat down and then Joel Embiid, you know, putting that Twitter post out, you know, glad to play with the third stringers, you know, against true NBA stars. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I just, you know, I want more people to do that. I'd love to see, you know, some guys get some personality and some character and not be afraid to, you know, step up and, you know, play sort of into some rivalries. Uh, would love, love to see that. I will say this, that PG, I think he's a legitimate MVP candidate. Um, he has been playing phenomenally this year. He's really coming into his own. Um, and honestly, like, he may be the best signing that OKC has made, you know, in the last five years. Um, he's more integral to this team, I think, than Russell Westbrook is right now because of how terribly he's playing. Um, and it goes to show, I think, you know, to the fans in L.A., like, look what you could have had, especially look at the lineup this year and the struggles that they're going through with everyone being out. Like, could you imagine if Paul George was able to, you know, mend that fence? You know, he's playing 
he he's the player I think that Kyle Kuzma wishes that he was. Uh, you know, playing on that same level as PG this year. It's just playing phenomenal. So I think he's a legitimate MVP candidate. Um, I'd probably put him at like two or three right now, but um, I will say this. I don't think that there's any way that James Harden can win MVP if the Rockets are sixth place or less in the West. I don't care how many points that you're scoring. If your team isn't in the playoffs and they're not winning, like how, how then are you valuable to your team if your team's not even doing well. And I will set the benchmark at this. You know, Russell Westbrook, you know, won MVP because he averaged a triple-double, and OKC was sixth in the West. Um, and so I think that's the benchmark. If you're less than six, I don't care if you're averaging 50 points a game. You know, that can't happen because, you know, Russell Westbrook did something that no one has ever done, um, you know, for the last 40 years. And, you know, people have averaged, you know, tons of points. Um, and especially if you're not even going to be in the playoffs, like what's the point? Um, I will say this, James Harden has 234 turnovers right now, 234. And the next player below him is Trey Young with 185. He's almost 50 turnovers back. And so I think that's a really, you know, statistic that not a lot of people talk about that we got to talk about when we're talking about James Harden. We can talk about the 35 points a game, but we also got to talk about the five or six average turnovers, you know, a game that he has. Um, and how he's a defensive liability on the other side of the ball. Um, and so, you know, you can score 35 points a game when you're taking 35 shots, you know, uh, but you're also averaging six turnovers. So you got to give some of those shots back too uh, when you look at the plus minus. So uh, really tough. Um, I will say this too. No one forced Houston to give Chris Paul that ridiculous contract that they gave him this last offseason. Nobody. Nobody held a gun to their head. They may have had a handshake agreement, but Daryl Morey could have just been like, listen, you know, we made this handshake agreement when we saw that you were healthy and you're no longer healthy. And so we're not going to give you the full four years, you know, $35 million a year because this contract may hamstring them, pun intended, from being a true playoff contender for the near future. You're going to waste James Harden's prime years with Chris Paul, you know, attached as baggage to James Harden pulling him down. You know, we got to you just got to take a take a hard look in the mirror. You know, you may be without Chris Paul, you know, for the rest of the season. And that's going to be really hard because you're asking James Harden to play, you know, 45 minutes a night, you know, being the number one primary option, you know, scoring 35, 40 points a night, you know, with his six turnovers. That's a really tough sell, I think, for him. Um, you know, he might be one of those players that, you know, ends his career without ever winning an NBA championship. My last point is this, you know, we heard the news today that Houston has officially traded Carmelo Anthony to the Chicago Bulls and Chicago Bulls are planning on waiving him and everyone's acting like he's still a factor in this league when those of us who watch basketball know that he's not. Can we stop pretending that Carmelo Anthony can fit in on any team in this league and still be able to contribute? He's made his point that he's primary option on a team. He doesn't want to play second or third fiddle. He doesn't want to come off the bench. He's not a spot-up shooter. He doesn't shoot the three very well. He shoots long twos. He plays terrible defense. He is not someone that you could sign and have him make an impact on your team at all, unless it's Golden State, and they don't want to do that. I think he's a phenomenal player, you know, has been a phenomenal player, and could be a good mentor, you know, in the locker room, but 
you know, he's someone like Chris Paul and his or like Paul Pierce in his last year when he was in, you know, uh, when he was on the Clippers where he just sat on the bench. You know, everyone knew Paul Pierce couldn't really play anymore. He was past his prime. And that's the same, same type of player that we see in Carmelo Anthony. So that's it from me on the 10 Minute Basketball Podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out. Have a wonderful week.